welcome to the first and only ever RPG Fan Retro Encounter Awards! <laughs> Hello, my name is Mike Solosi. <laughs> this is Retro Encounter episode 200. And uh, when we were, you know, uh, trying to come up with a theme for the episode, we ended up, you know, coming up with a lot of sort of category ideas for things like yearbook accolades or our favorites from a list of of what of uh, you know favorite lists of characters favorite kinds of games and we ended up with a big weird collection of categories to analyze and <laughs> we ended up shaping the, and we ended up deciding to shape them into an awards show so that's where we are right now but let's introduce the other panelists for this awards show starting with Peter Treisenberg Hi everybody Peter Treisenberg uh, I'm for the news one of the news editors on the site and they keep shooting down my idea to do a f- Mary kill on RPG fan Indeed <laughs> Indeed we do I understand, but I just thought I'd mention it. <laughs> and okay, now we're down to four panelists total. Goodbye, Peter. <laughs> okay, see you guys. Have a good one. We know we know who's the uh, kill in that uh, scenario, I guess. Yeah. All right, and now and now for uh, everyone's choice to marry in that scenario, Alana Hakes. Whoa! I don't marry people. Good grief. <laughs> Hey everybody! The one who ironically would not accept either. <laughs> we can go on a nice romantic date and a dinner together, but uh, right. I would accept the dinner part. Yeah. All right, <laughs> and uh, Alana's dinner date <laughs> steps a bit low. What did you say about me? Alana's dinner date. Oh, I missed it. Oh, ooh, okay. Hi, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and rounding out our party of five, Zach Wilkerson. Hey there. <laughs> I'm so sorry, everyone. So much. Which is ironic because I like Zach so much. We'll go to dinner together, all five of us. All party of five, indeed. All right. Well, this party of five was also the panelists that uh, chose winners out of this goofy list of categories that we brainstormed weeks ago. And uh, I I did ask for some listener uh, input for these categories, but I didn't get a large response. So all of these categories are from the five of us. And uh, they get a little weird. I'm, I'm, I, I, there was, there they were a lot start of a little weird. Yeah, they start a little weird and a little weird, and there, it's just a, a little weird from, from the get-go. So, uh, uh, Peter, go ahead and read out our first category. All right, our first category is the feature most likely to be cut from the Final Fantasy VII Remake. Our options are Fort Condor, the submarine minigame, Fort Condor basically throw money the minigame. The yeah. weapon fights. The slap fight on top of the Junon cannon. It better not. <laughs> it will not. A Japanese developer will never, ever cut that. And Red 13 in disguise on the Junon ship. In fact, they'll probably add another one to it where you get to slap someone else out. <laughs> and Can we slap Heidegger? <laughs> Love that. And the winner is Fort Condor. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't I really miss it either. Yeah, no, I have no idea. Terrible. I think that I think that it's Red Thirteen lower would, poly game. Yeah, I think that Red Thirteen would probably get cut as well for different reasons. But sorry, there's a cat fight going on outside, everybody. Um, but Fort Condor is like the one thing on that list that I wouldn't miss. Oh, is it? Is it? Is it Tifa and Scarlet? <laughs> <laughs> well done. Yeah. Jeez. Um, is the, but Fort Condor already felt out of place in Final Fantasy VII, and putting in a awkward RTS game that yeah. I, I don't think is that popular uh, doesn't make a lot of sense. 
I know Square no. said that they're committed to preserving the FF7 experience and they don't want to cut things, but I can't imagine how they're going to make that work on a reasonable time. I mean, okay, just, reasonable. Like, I can't imagine anyone being upset about it either. Yeah, I mean, make it, <laughs> make it open. You know, there's going to be that one guy. Oh, there's always going to be that one guy. I think they, I hope they just keep the song. That's the only thing I liked about that segment. Maybe just they'll make it up. Maybe they'll make it an optional tower defense game that plays in nah, the background. I, I the think they should game. just they should just make it a fight. No, it's a re, it's a pre-release cell phone game you can get. <laughs> Download the Fort Condor app. <laughs> well, I mean, they could turn oh, wow. it into a strategy section. I think that would be the only way they do it. But it yeah. would be a complete revamp. So yeah, I think as yeah. it is now, it's going to get cut, and I don't think too many people would miss it compared to everything else. Like no. you know. But yeah, the game had a lot of mini games, but yeah, just like the assets obviously weren't all poured into it, and it just kind of came out haphazard for most of them. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. All right. I hope so... the dolphin jumping gets cut too. Oh, oh no. <laughs> that was awkward. And then you're given like mouth to mouth, and then you're helping out a dolphin. Like that whole section was just weird. And then you go to crash a parade. <laughs> this whole generation of people who will find out that Final Fantasy VII is, in fact, unusual weird and not yeah. as like seminal as everyone makes yeah. it out to be and they, they, they won't have yeah. to explain what a phs either is like oh it's a cell phone boom <laughs> <laughs> correct okay and on to the next category and i should mention the uh the um qualifications for being included on this list is it has to be a character or a game uh that is either an rpg video game or of <laughs> and part of devil may cry 5 that is our official qualifications. So uh, the next category is Most Handsomest Hero. Uh, Alana, can you read that out for us? Uh, yeah, so we have the main cast of Final Fantasy XV. We do have the entire cast of Devil May Cry Five, and this is where we came up with the idea they should be included. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Locke from Final Fantasy VI, mm-hmm. Alistair from Dragon Age Origins. I think Locke was my first like gaming crush when I was a little girl. There's something He's about so... thieves in games, man. I don't know what it is. He's a cheeky guy as well. He likes to be like, I'm not a thief, I'm a treasure hunter. I'm just like, oh yeah, you can mm-hmm. you carry on. Um stole my heart. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we got Balthier from Final Fantasy XII. Uh, Shoot me, I'm... Daddy. Yes, please. Uh, <laughs> Imeric from Final Fantasy XIV. Leo, from... <laughs> Leo from Luna 2 Eternal Blue. And then we have lots of Pokemon guys. So we have Steven, the champion of Hoenn from Ruby, Sapphire, and Emerald. Oh, no, he's not the champion in Emerald, excuse me. Um, but he's still better than everybody else. Um, Professor Sycamore from X and Y, Professor Kukui from Sun and Moon, and basically most people from Suicoden 3. Huh. Okay. <laughs> so there's probably at least 50 in that last one, but... Uh... Yeah, I mean, well, uh, no surprises <laughs> to anybody, but um, this is a really hard category, and we kind of just was like, oh, you know what, everybody has... Everyone has a type. So this is yeah. like, a, everyone's a winner. There's someone for everybody in the world, even in video games. The winner is the everyone. best and fight about Sometimes it, you know? Everybody can games. get their own. Yeah, Leo, we, if you're we, a furry, we, you got Leo. Exactly. If you like I'm, handsome, dark-skinned men, then Professor Kukui is, is gorgeous. Mm. Kukui is Kukui, really pretty. He's a sweetheart yeah. as well. In the anime, he proposes to his uh, girlfriend really cutely. It's Aww. so adorable. He has Aww. a ring and a Pokeball. Aww. Yeah. Oh my I, God, I, I feel like I've seen couples take on that, take that yeah. on, actually. Yeah. The, Sun yeah. and, the Sun and Moon anime is very wholesome. It is, Yeah. Everyone's a winner. So we, that means we, we could not decide. Officially, RPG fan style, Devil May Cry 5 is indeed part of the most handsomest category. Cool. We cover yeah. Devil May Cry 5 now. <laughs> yeah. Says you, Peter. Says you. 
Uh, now, <laughs> the the next category is probably an understandable follow-up to this one. Uh, Steph, can you read out the nominees for Most Loveliest Lady? There are many Most Lovely Ladies. Uh, follow us along, see if you agree. So we got Jessica from Dragon Quest Eight, definitely popular. Deborah from Dragon Quest Five. I actually really like her. Correct answer. Tifa, <laughs> Tifa from the Final Fantasy VII remake. Uh, Better than the original. Polygons. I'm willing to go with that. I actually like her voice actress a lot too. Uh, Tubi going... from Near Automata. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, left cheek, right cheek, all of it's good. I'm sorry. Self, uh, I agree. I would, I would, I would, I would dance cheek to cheek with Tubi. Yes. <laughs> Are you doing like a square dance then? <laughs> oh my god. Bow to your wow. partner. Bow to your corner. Aqua oh from god. Kingdom Hearts. Uh I do like the omission of Kyrie there, who just got fridged the entire series, basically. Lynn from Fire Emblem, Olivia from Pokemon Sun and Moon, Lenith from Valkyrie Profile, and uh DMC5 somehow snuck its way in again with uh Trish and Lady, I guess. There, yeah, I'm and Nico. 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 Everybody just talked at once. <laughs> and, and Nico. Don't forget Nico. Oh, yes, and Nico, sorry. Oh, yes, Nico. Oh, my God, I love her. Nico single-handedly <laughs> saved the video game industry. <laughs> she did. So uh, I, I think, again, like, we had a lot of infighting. We didn't know who to pick, so we actually just settled on all of them again. Yes, correct. All, all, all of them win. Yeah, I'm into that. Uh, <laughs> These are all really good girls. Our RPG thirst springs eternal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So why fight? Everybody gets somebody. Indeed. Uh and yeah, like like picking the winner for the hero and lady categories started out pretty argumentative and then we both sort we all sort of just fell into the solution of everyone's a winner and uh, that's where we that is our official word on the handsomest heroes and loveliest ladies of this podcast. Do you know, <laughs> sorry if that's a cop out. <laughs> as long as there's one lovely lady and one like handsome hero, I'm usually pretty happy. If there's mm. one on each, one of each then I'm pretty pretty good. Unless you're yeah. playing Final Fantasy fourteen, in which there's like three each per expansion. Excellent. Even yeah. better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dish them out. So uh, our next category is Best Anime Betrayal. Can we specifically define what an anime betrayal entails? Sure. <laughs> I'm still a bit muddy on that. Okay. So um, why do we say anime betrayal and not just betrayal or something similar? I, I'm not really sure, but like... There's the, just a quality to yeah, it, right? The, the, it's a meme, like, is it not? It, it, That's yeah, what I the, thought. Yeah, there's oh. a meme of uh, of um, top ten anime betrayals, both sort of making fun of anime <laughs> communities on YouTube, and uh, and also there's just a f- there's a music to the phrase anime betrayal and a, a sense of drama and over the top silliness to the concept of an anime betrayal. There's usually quite a lot of nobility to it, you know. Oh like yeah, someone yeah. Has to be very resolute, yeah. Yeah, there's, all, there's, I don't know. For there's some a big reason... fight about your convictions and your ideals, and, you know, there's tears and blood and sweat and yeah. a final fight with two <laughs> swords drawn, everything. Yeah, like, and an anime betrayal has a different quality than a, just a regular old betrayal. So this is so a category... lot of shouting why. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, Zach, uh, let's read out the uh, nominees for best anime betrayal. So, our first nominee is Kane from Final <laughs> Fantasy IV. And then we have Leon from Tales of Destiny. And pretty much all the antagonists in Persona 3, 4, and 5. <laughs> the next yeah. nominee is Noctis pushing Prompto off a train in Final Fantasy 15. Spoiler and alert. 
Peter, why did, why did we let Peter on this podcast? I honestly don't know why you keep me around either, but I'm just happy to be here. I feel like this is like the eighth podcast we've said that about poor Peter. I just want to be make people laugh. And then our final laugh nominee, like our final nominee is Joey from Sukadin Two. And the winner, uh, we have a tie here, actually, uh, between Kane from Final Fantasy IV and Leon of Tales of Destiny. But was it who said the Kane thing, where it like gets really complicated? Come the yeah, so come so when they made when they made the After Years, which is the the, uh, the sequel to four and the worst Final Fantasy game ever made. But um, <laughs> uh, Kane's dark half becomes a separate character. It's like literally yeah. the embodiment yeah, of betrayal. Yeah, yeah. Kane uh, <laughs> goes to Mount Ordeals to try and to try and cast aside his darkness the same way Cecil did, but it doesn't work and the and the dark his Kane's dark half overpowers him. And so the, so and goes on to betray more people in after years. It's and literally he, the only cool part of that game. Yeah, and all, <laughs> and also Kane betrays people in Dissidia and betrays people three times in just the regular Final Fantasy 4. He's he's betraying people all over the place. And Leon <laughs> betrays only once in Tales of Destiny, he he has a really dramatic betrayal scene. I think I think he was he was he won like every Tales character pull for a decade or something. And then then they brought him back so that he could betray his uh, st- uh, the protagonist of Tales of Destiny again. But instead, he betrays the evil lady that revived him and saves his son. It's it's crazy. He's he, he, he's he, been he, named Judas when he comes back. Yes, and he, his right. name his he name went biblical with it. Yeah, he literally puts on a skull mask and calls himself Judas for the second round of betrayals. I think equally, like Leon kickstarts an entire series full of betrayals. Like Fantasia doesn't have a yeah. massive one. Yeah. It's kind of got one at the beginning ish. Um, but like, yeah, the like Tales of Destiny is where anime betrayal kind of becomes a thing, and I think. Kane is pretty iconic because of how he does it and like he's best friends him and Cecil have got a history together before the game and I think that's why you feel it so much but Leon's is like the an entire trend in like Japanese RPGs. The, the way the way you I know see what? it, I gotta go find some like fan fiction between Kane and Rosa. I just want to see how this would turn. Would have turned. Yeah, out. there's some. What if you became definitely. good? You know, and she kept oh, on the right track. Would, would it be worth I'm sure, it? there's a lot of it. <laughs> the way yeah, I definitely. the way I see it, Kane puts the betrayal in anime betrayal, and Leon puts the anime in anime betrayal. So we have, <laughs> correct. So that's why we have two winners here. But from, but going forward, I promise there's going to be less of this multiple winners BS, and we're gonna get. You know, we're gonna buckle down and pick only one winner going forward. Yeah, Mike whipped Mike whipped us into shape after this one. <laughs> I really, I haven't yet. Still, but uh, <laughs> the next category is best wild plot twist. Uh, so, Peter, go ahead and read out these nominees. All right. So, for the best wild plot twist, we have a number of selections. Lots. We have lots cloud- of spoilers too. <laughs> lots yeah. of spoilers. I've been warned. Skip uh, ahead like five minutes if you don't want any of this. Uh, Cloud thinks he's Zack from Final Fantasy VII. The whole world of ruin thing from Final Fantasy VI. Uh, y- you are Darth Revan from Knights of the Old Republic, Star Wars. That. That's such a good That's an excellent one. one. Yeah, That's really, yeah, good one. yeah. yeah. It really is. Uh, Aerith dies from Final Fantasy VII. Uh, the demons ran the church all along from Grandia Two and most other JRPGs. Let's be real. Fire Two, Dragon Quest Seven. <laughs> Breath of yeah. Fire 2, yep. Every Tales game ever. Oh, I love uh, Tales from- of Symphonia, taking it to, to like a space station and everything. That's just right. so weird. Right, Darius is awesome. Uh, what is Chron- happening here? Chrono dies in Chrono Trigger. 
Um, That's my least favorite one. Star Ocean 3's whole the world is actually a video game thing. Uh, the entirety of Xenogears. Uh, um, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm, sure. Uh, yep. The whole of the end of disc one. Dart and Rose from The Legend of Dragoon, their whole thing. Uh, the Dead Sea from Chrono Cross. The entirety of Danganronpa. <laughs> and Your Mom is a Tree in Secret of Mana. Who <laughs> <laughs> made love to what and gave birth to which on that? Um, well, the um, Randy's mom. It was magic, but uh, Randy's mom is a member of the Mana Tribe, and when the members of the Mana Tribe die, they uh, become part of the Mana Tree. Ah, uh, okay. Point is, that one did not win. Uh, we we tried to wrap our heads around that, and and again, we just had more questions than answers. So the real winner <laughs> is all of Danganronpa. Yeah, yeah. That, that game is almost defined by its twists, uh, like the the identity of the. Uh, of the mastermind in the first game, uh, the whole simulation thing in the second game, and the whole bait and switch and double bait and switch and television bait and switch in the third game. Oh my god! Holy yeah. crap! <laughs> yeah, I still always remember leading up to that episode for Retro. The mobile. I've heard phone. some kind of divisive things about the third game. Do you guys have any thoughts on that? Um, I I, I hated think... I hated the first twist and loved the last twist. Yeah, I'm agreeing. It took me a while to get over the second twist, but I think the second twist makes sense in context yes. of the series. I I think the second twist is uh, uh, okay. All of the twists in Danganronpa get pretty wild, even the smaller moment to moment ones, like the uh, like like the identities of certain murders in certain cases. Oh yeah, but really, getting out. But 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 it's the like <laughs> the, the mastermind, the simulation, and then the and then like a full sixty percent of Danganronpa three is just the whole game. The whole series is made of wild twists. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that said, though, like I didn't know anything about Dart and Rose, and when you guys explained, it, I actually thought it was pretty sweet. So. Yeah, no, it, I it's think cool. it's a really it's good cool. one. Yeah, yeah. It is, it is yeah. cool. It's not, it's not really Dart and Rose. It's uh, it's uh, the whole thing. Yeah, it, it, it's history, um, yeah. It's the, yeah, the whole back background of them. And um, Legend of Dragoon is a cool game that I never ever want to play again because it, playing, <laughs> because playing it is miserable. I've no. I've tried to replay it on multiple times and I and I just can't. But uh, yeah, that is the best wild plot twist for the Retro Encounter Awards. Now the next category is best version of Cerberus. The uh, the I like when it comes to fantasy games, you start running into a lot of mythical creatures. A oh lot, yeah, so. oh yeah, always. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had a mythology one. episode a few weeks ago. Indeed, we did. Yeah. And um, uh, Cerberus, the three-headed dog from Greek myth and guardian of Hades, uh, shows up in RPGs a lot. So, especially... I, I don't think we can talk about the Kingdom Hearts two one without Disney slapping us with a lawsuit. No, I'm just kidding. Oh. <laughs> but uh, Alana, go oh, ahead. Yeah. And, go ahead and uh, read the uh, nominees for best version of Cerberus. All right, so we have uh, Koromaru's Persona from Persona 3, Cerberus. We have Vincent's Gun from, I, I think it's exclusively Dirge of Cerberus, but someone will correct me if I'm wrong. It's um, in the movie too, it's in Avenue. It's in the movie, okay, it's in okay. Avenue as well, but it's, just a, it's a three-barrel pistol gun, it's pretty cool. Uh, we have uh, our grand return of, well actually two games in this series have a Cerberus. We have Devil May Cry 5, which has King Cerberus, <laughs> and Devil May Cry 3 has Cerberus, and they have some hard boss fights, kids. Mm-hmm. Um, we have the Guardian Force Cerberus from Final Fantasy VIII. And we also have uh, Hercules' Cerberus in Kingdom Hearts 2. How did he get on here? Like, Cerberus is cool, but not in Kingdom Hearts. Like, but yeah. <laughs> yeah I'll anyway, give you one guess fun. which one of us added him. No, I know. It's okay. Okay, okay. in two, no, you I'm fight not... him with Orin from 10, and it's fun. That boss fight is really fun, actually, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
but the true winner is Vincent's gun because wow, what a nice, sharp, detailed gun that is. It's a really cool gun. Really yeah. cool. It's like really uh, giving proper homages to weapons too, if they're cool enough. Yeah, exactly. If they go, I've actually, I've actually got a Play Arts Kai version of um of Vincent. I'm looking yeah. at on myself now, so I, I approve of this choice. Yeah, me too. Yeah, Vincent, right, yeah. Vincent does not get any lot. Like he's a really important character in Final Fantasy VII, but like one of the worst characters battle wise. Oh, and yeah. I think he gets some love yeah. outside of the general mm -hmm. main game i really hope the remake gives him some justice it's because... weird yeah for a game where stats weren't too important to how his are like... just lower than everyone else's besides yeah. magic yeah. Magic yeah, exactly he is like the third or fourth most important character story-wise easily yeah. yeah and and maybe and i think he's worse than kate sith gameplay wise he is he, I'm, I'm pretty sure statistically he may be the worst it sucks that his spinoff game is also pretty weak. He is really, he is really funny in um, Machina Bridge, the parody series, because he keeps getting, <laughs> because he keeps getting bugs on people because <laughs> he's been in the coffin for however long. So he's like, my friends like you. <laughs> Vincent is definitely my very first video game crush, or one of them, which is a terrible thing to admit. But Turk Vincent, oh my god! Hey, we all we all went through a Vincent Valentine phase. Uh, I'm did. still there. Mm, yep, yep. Oh yeah, me too. <laughs> Twenty two years later, I'm still here. All right, so Vincent's gun is the best version of Cerberus uh, in for the retro encounter awards. Uh, the next I'm category. I like a gun winning this actually instead of a beast. <laughs> Right on. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> the gun wins. I think it's cool. Cool. Oh. And uh, uh, the next category is Best Flirt. So, Steph, could you read out the, the nominees for us? Yes. Best Flirt. So we have Zelos from Tales of Symphonia. We have Olivier from the Trail series. We have Angelo from Dragon Quest VIII. Uh, ooh, you're going to have to help me pronouncing that. Horshafont. 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 Horshafont from Final Fantasy XIV and Ringabelle from Bravely Defaults. God, he sucks. Uh, <laughs> I think this one was a pretty clear-cut winner. We, uh, uh, Zealous from Tales of Symphonia is literally the only flirt that actually nets you a reward from it. So. Right. It's one of my favorite things about that game, Zealous and his honeys. And I'm really like, I've grown to kind of like not like flirt characters too much, but I think Zealous is pretty tolerable. And also you get money and just people throw gels at you and yeah. steak. It's great. Yeah, and I also respect the... the man's wardrobe. He pulls off that peach pink very nicely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, the, there's a lot of bad flirts in video games. Like it can be a pretty cringe, uh, cringy, like eye rolly kind of character type, but these five, or at least four of them plus ring a bell, uh, like, uh, you know, are actually likable flirts. Yeah, I would say that. Yeah, Zealous is definitely the best in the whole tale series and yeah. probably the best in any RPG I've had so far. He has a really good story as well. Yeah. I wouldn't have been able to pick this. Like, it, it was a consensus that Zealous won, but between him, Olivier, Angelo, or Chiffon, those are four flirts that I love dearly. I, I couldn't yeah. have picked it on my own. <laughs> it's a good list. Would flirt back, in other words. <laughs> i definitely flirt back with Olivier. Oh my goodness. <laughs> All right, so uh, moving on. The next category is Most Baddest Final Boss. So, Zach, can you read out the nominees? I can. Uh, so our first nominee is Braska's Final Aeon from Final Fantasy X. Um, the next nominee is Lucifer from Shimakama Tensei Nocturne. Um, next nominee is Gygus from Earthbound. Um, after that, we have Izanami from Persona 4. 
And then Devil May Cry 5 makes a return uh, with Virgil. Um, from, <laughs> oh, who's still uh, dying? That was so good. <laughs> um, and I'm, I I'm don't know, Alana. <laughs> I wonder. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of candidates, actually, for who might have stuck that in. Um, let's see here. Uh, 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 Zach, do you want me to help you with that one? It's oh, like... I am going to need some help with this okay, next uh, one. Okay, the, uh, the next nominee is a tag team of Adolf Hitler. Nyarla Hotep from the Cthulhu Mythos, and the and the literal embodiment of daddy issues from Persona Two Innocent Sin. I think we have that as a safe runner-up, just because of all. Persona Two is a wild ride, y'all. That one, that one doesn't win, but I wanted to put it in just because the the final boss is in Persona Two. Oh man, that goes somewhere. It really does. So, so what else do we have left, Zach? Uh, We have your rival from Pokemon Red, Blue, Yellow, and then. and this is also our winner. Um, each Undertale route, um, you've got Sans, and uh, we have Flowey, and then I can't remember the name of the the pacifist route one. Uh, Who it is that? Asriel Dreamer. Asriel Dreamer. Dreamer. Um, yeah, in, yeah. For me, I think that's an excellent choice. I mean, like they're they're all really thematically rich based on you know sort of how you've played the game. I think if you do a genocide run, there's a different one too, isn't there? Isn't there a fourth? No, 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 no. It, it, it's, it's, oh. it's it's Sans, isn't it? Yep. The for genocide, genocide run. Yeah, yes, yeah. is the final boss for um, genocide run. A, yeah. a neutral run is Flowey, Just and a pacifist run is Asriel Dreamer. Okay. Yeah, yeah, but they're, the the two that I've played are, are both excellent. Um, really, really interesting mechanically. Uh, really mm-hmm. hard. Really challenging. Um, yeah, great. Yeah, I think it's what, yeah, and like they use a lot of great. All three of them have great music too. So like exactly. Yeah. yeah. Don't ask me to music. pick a favorite between those three final boss themes because yeah. it's really hard. Yeah. So Undertale's got to win it. It's I, I mean, I, I mean, my favorite though. is. My favorite final boss theme is the Sans Megalovania theme, but, they're, but <laughs> yeah. they're, all, they're all really, really good and huge, dramatic, challenging boss fights. It's like Undertale's very special game and the circumstances of the final boss and like what is experience points, what is a boss. <laughs> like right. it, it sort of, yeah. it, the fact that it's weird and subversive enough to even ask those questions makes it a, a, a pretty cool, unique thing. And yeah, we decided we said it's the it has the most bad most baddest selection of final bosses. <laughs> but it is kind of weird when the the five parents of the five main characters in Persona Two all turn into a weird monster. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah, I do need to play this now. Alana, could you please read us the next category? <laughs> so this is worst ensemble cast in the history of anything, and our nominees are Starish and Four. And the winner is Starish and Four. Okay. I have not played Starish and Four, and just looking at the characters that you've linked me images of, and from your descriptions, I don't think I ever want to play Starish and Four. They're so the, bad. It's, it's not too, even funny. They're so Starish and Four is a pretty fun game, but <laughs> man, do you have to have a high threshold for anime bullshit? Absolutely. Yeah. They are the bare bones Sad. of tropes. Not well done. They're Your just child, uninteresting. Your best friend likes you and she throws a hissy fit if you so much as look at anybody else. There's a cat girl <sighs> who likes to nap on you. There's a little girl who likes to nap with you. Like, yeah. all, the adult, all the adult ladies have big chests. There's, yeah, there is a widow who also is very flirtatious and yeah. grieving at the same time. But, they're they're, they're, really, they're really aiming directly at fans that will buy statues of anime girls for this one. Oh, yeah. They didn't even have that yeah. many. They didn't even have any statues. <laughs> the, um, it's, it's the, 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 cast of, the cast of Star Ocean Star Ocean 4 basically consists of a, a, a super buff version of Data um, your childhood best friend who is in love with you, 
Um, the Lolly Khan who is in love with uh, you and also the elf boy. Um, elf boy, the elf an boy? angel, elf an angel girl, is, an angel girl who is in love with you, a cat girl who is in love with you, a milf who is in love with you, and the edgy sad boy who replaces the elf boy. <laughs> the edgy sad boy's name is literally an anagram of trauma. <laughs> Aromat Thanatos. It is trauma oh, death. Aramad is such a lame character. He's like arguably the only cool one, but like he's literally an edge lord. He uses like a laser sith and has like busted ass armor and scars and white hair. And he basically just every cutscene he talks about to be noble and he wanted to die a hero's death and to I, you know. I feel like they were trying to go for another oh. Albel character who wasn't like grumpy and like called you maggots every five minutes. And they he definitely lost something along the way. It was fun to play as. Everybody's oh, fun to play as in that fun. game. Yeah, that's that's the hardest thing to talk <laughs> about Star Ocean for. It's like the great gameplay, but the worst worst cutscenes. Soundtrack is also pretty tight. If if you haven't seen it already, you need to track down the interview yeah, where yeah, Matt Mercer talks about playing. Um, oh my god, yes, it's so funny. <laughs> I feel so bad for him because Matt Mercer's come so far now, and I used to rag on that voice so much, but now we've he gets already mentioned about it too. It's yeah. so cute. Yeah, of course he must have. Only, I think he must have only been about nineteen or twenty when he did it because he's in his early thirties now, and he's. He's doing really late thirties, maybe. He's doing really well. Like Critical Role, he's in the Trail series. He's in. He's been in Tales. He's been in everything. He he was a replacement. He was a replacement character for a he was a replacement Persona Four character, and then he got his own Persona Five character. Yeah, he he <laughs> was the Cory Baker replacement man because he had replaced. Uh, he's Olivier in Trails of Cold Steel, and I believe Troy Baker does him in the PSP version of Trails oh. in the Sky. So yeah, he's done the triple. <laughs> Oh, man. Um, but yeah, this is the most Star Ocean Four discussion we will ever have on this podcast. So <laughs> let, let's tell let, you. Let's put it behind us. Uh, the next category, uh, Steph. You re let's have you read out the nominees for us. Ooh, okay. So our next one was best Zelda side quest. We just started talking a lot about them, and man, there's so much to choose from. Uh, so best side quests were Eventide Island from Breath of the Wild, Anju and Cafe from, of course, Majora's Mask, the Big Goron Sword side quest from Ocarina of Time. Uh, Terrytown from Breath of the Wild as well. Uh, the ghost uh, in the the like the, the in the toilet. Things. Yeah, the ghost in the toilet situation <laughs> uh, from Skyward Sword. Uh, Grog in the Lost Woods and the alien invasion in Majora's Mask. These were all pretty big side quests too. Like these were not brief, um, and they all usually had like multiple pieces to it or like some cool gimmick to it. Uh, eventually, of course. I don't know. I, it's a bit predictable, but the Andrew Cafe one won for us again, just because it's yeah. so involved. It's so well so done. Many, it's, yeah. it's, it's really excellent. It's a... Uh... I love that it makes you wait till the last minute, too. I don't think any other part of the game really has you do that besides at the beginning. Yeah, it, it takes, the, I think, the entire three-day phase, basically, to execute it. So you have to devote yeah. an, an entire run to Andrew and Cafe. But it's yeah. it's really beautifully done. It's uh um I, I guess you can beat the game without doing it. You won't get the you know you won't get the mask from it. You won't get the uh, the, the real final boss or whatever. It's one of those it's, things like, where there's just a ton of rewards tied to it too. Yeah, it's 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 really excellent. It makes me want to actually get off my ass and finish Majora's Mask. <laughs> <laughs> so many games. It's my play. favorite thing about that. my game. Terrytown is probably the most pleasant thing on the planet, though. And mm -hmm. Terrytown's yeah. sweet. I really anything like that. about yeah. anything about city building and expanding cities. Yeah, I'm yeah. all there. 
even even tide was also a fun challenge uh, to rise up to. Uh, the aliens in Majora's Mask is probably the weirdest one uh, as far as all those goes. So I did just want to give a special shout out to that one because it's just creepy as hell. Anyone who's played it knows what I'm talking about. All right. So now, following off best Zelda side quest, we have worst Final Fantasy side quest. Uh, Peter, can you not uh, read out the nominees for this one for us? Absolutely. Uh, so for the, for the worst Final Fantasy side quest, we have Chocobo Racing in Final <laughs> Fantasy X specifically. Ugh. Um. <laughs> Blitzball, which is good. You all are just mean. Agreed. No, it is good. It is good. Oh, yeah. Steph is the only one who's the outsider here. Whatever. Spoiler alert, Blitzball Stick doesn't win. Uh, Justice <laughs> Monsters 5 from Final Fantasy 15. Um, the Lightning Bolt part from Final Fantasy 10. Oh, um, Chocobo Breeding in Final Fantasy 7. The Platforming Dungeon from Final Fantasy 15. <laughs> yeah, that's flashbacks there. Um, and Sphere Break from Final Fantasy X-2, which does anyone actually know how Sphere Break works? I don't think no. anyone knows how Sphere Break works. Does anybody no, know no, how Final Fantasy X-2 works? Not <laughs> worth it. You have to yeah. like know the multiples of stuff, I think, and create multiple and create like math equations essentially. So and that's why I'm not like, good at it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think you get like a Final Fantasy Tactics. I don't understand. You do get a dress sphere. You get the casino. The yeah. So I just get that, and then I stop. <laughs> Yeah, it's missable, it's hard to get, and it's confined to just that one moment. But yeah, Chocobo Racing was... Yeah, Chocobo Racing for Final Fantasy Time was the winner here, because I don't know anybody yeah. who likes that minigame. Especially yeah. if you're trying to go for... It's based on like a random number generator too, so like a lot of the time you'll just have a bad run, not because of lack of skill, even though that's very important because you have to, but it's just... Yeah. It's just yeah. annoying, and to get I've those played that game three seasons. times, and I have never managed to do it. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, 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 I've done it twice, but I never did Chocobo Racing. I never could solve it. I just got angry the first couple times and then quit. I've yeah. done it twice. Yeah, I just started, and like every time, I end up cursing at my TV. At least, you know, yeah. Yeah. it's the really only time it. I get angry at that game ever. Yeah. I don't know. Lightning bolts makes Final me pretty angry. Mostly having bad, <laughs> yeah. Bad, so does butterfly uh, catching. I hate oh, that. Yeah. I, I don't love the butterflies or the lightning bolts, but Chocobo Racing is the worst. And I, oh, and, for I, sure. and, and I legit yeah. and I legit truly enjoy the Monster Arena and Blitzball. Yeah, they're yeah. actually really great. Like the best side quests in Final Fantasy. So uh moving on to the next category, most improved sequel. Uh Zach, let's have you read out these nominees for us. Alright, so our first nominee is Suikoden One to Suikoden Two, which is nice because Suikoden One's great and Suikoden Two is the best RPG of all time. Um, I'm editing that out. <laughs> <laughs> um Mother to Earthbound, uh Dragon Quest 2 to Dragon Quest 3, um Elder Scrolls Daggerfall to Morrowind. Um and then we've got uh three here, uh, Persona 1 to 2 and then Persona 2 to 3. Uh Xenosaga 2 to 3 and then Tales of Zestiria to Tales of Berseria. And the winner is Mother to Earthbound. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I, I think that's easy. I think that's the worst starting point to one of the best ending points among these among these selections. So yeah, God, I remember when they dropped like Mother over here in the in North America. And yeah, like, yeah. Kind of like, oh, Earthbound. this is it. Yeah. Earthbound yeah. beginnings. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep, Ooh. and and everyone realized that oh, that people were just excited about this because it hadn't released, not because it's good, because it's not. Yeah, good. yeah. I bought it Why to review it for the site. <laughs> Did you beat it? 
I did. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> so well, you hard. can you can save state though. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Nice. I mean, uh, we talked about this on the worst of episode, but apparently there's like an easy patch out there, and um, oh, I've never yeah. tried it, but I think that might be worth it because I think there are actually some interesting things happening in Mother. Um, yeah. But there are so many horrible things happening. It's not just that you can get one shot at like half the game, or that like traveling is unintuitive and very difficult and doesn't none of the tools open up till the end of the game it's like the, the good writing is still there but the rest of it's so horrific that i like the look i like the non-linearity of it as yeah. well yeah. but like yeah it's just not coded properly at all anywhere it's pretty dreadful swing yeah. and a miss in other words yeah but, yeah but at least earthbound and mother three are both great so it's not it's a uh right absolutely yeah, maybe it was a necessary bad first step for the for those two great games that came down the line. For sure, yeah. All right, so our next category is best transport. Uh, Peter, let's have you read these out for us. All right, uh, the categories for best transport are the regalia from Final Fantasy Fifteen, the trifecta of cannon travel, Booskaboo, and Flammy from Trials of Mana. Uh, the Master Cycle from Breath of the Wild. Your father's somehow making an entire town fly from Breath <laughs> of Fire 2. Also could probably file a Dragon, Qu- uh, Dragon Quest on here somewhere. Um, Two games. The Flying Magical Whale Plus Boat in Tales of Vesperia. <laughs> His name is Baul. Yes. Yep. Is, that, is that like the, the dude from Sinister? Bagul? Um, Baul is right, yeah. Baul! And pirate ships in the sky from Skies of Arcadia. Um, And the winner is uh, Trials of Mana, the cannon travel Booskaboo, and and the Flammy. What is a Booskaboo? The correct name (laughs) for the giant, beautiful turtle who transports you around. Yeah, it's uh, an excellent sea turtle boy, a beautiful white dragon girl, and also being shot out of a cannon. That's how, right, you get around, that's, that's how you get around in Trials of Mana, and this is possibly I'm, I'm influenced by, by recency bias, but it's great. Booskaboo is adorable, makes yeah. a cute horn noise. He's just the best. He was my profile picture on Slack for a few what weeks. They, uh, and he waves at you every time you see him. So adorable. Yeah, so cute. Did you say yeah. they renamed Booskaboo, though? Yeah, they renamed him. Vuskav. Yeah, Vuskav, which is which not is probably, Which is wrong. It is yeah, wrong, but it's probably right fun. because of the... Uh, yeah, yeah, like, I mean, Japanese B, F, and V can sometimes be shifted around a little bit, so Vuskov is a legit translation, but it's not as fun to say as Booskaboo. No. Yeah, yeah Booskaboo uh-huh. or Bus, basically. And and Flammy is just so cute and so beautifully animated. Yeah, yeah I mean, I love my pirate ships in the sky, but you give me animals, then I'm all over for it. <laughs> And Booskaboo makes the uh, uh, noise when you call him. Yeah. Yeah, he's great. <laughs> he's so cute. <laughs> so uh, the next category, let's have, uh, Alana, let's have you read out the best time travel bullshit. Yeah. So we got the nonary games, all three of them. Dragon Quest Eleven, which has a lot of spoilers, and you should listen to the spoiler cast episode if you want to hear about them. Agreed. Uh, Radiant <laughs> Historia, which is probably one of the best time travel examples of time travel in rpgs yeah. for a long time the mechanics there are excellent yeah yeah fire emblem awakening which has a lot of children in it um <laughs> chrono trigger which is probably still maybe the best time traveling in an rpg uh time compression from final fantasy VIII, and shadow hearts covenant which is definitely bullshit um, but... I love the I love the audible disgust in your voice when you said children. 
actually, the child mechanic in Awakening is better than in Fates. Yes. I don't mind it as yeah. much. Um, it, I certainly it's have still some not great in Awakening. Um, but the winner is the nonary <laughs> games because we've had some Danganronpa love. I think it's time to give the nonary games and their absolute mind screwery a bit of a a bit of an award here. Yeah, oh, it's yeah. So I, I I want to avoid spoilers here, and like that stuff will um, keep you uh, up at night when yeah. you think about it. And, yeah. And, and, uh, yeah, and also, I mean, it goes into uh, let's see, quantum theory and uh, and time travel and tesseracts and, 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 yeah. and, 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 uh, and alternate timelines. It goes into all of it. Like Chrono Trigger, I think is a better game than Virtue's Last Reward or Zero Time to Del- Dilemma. But the category is best time travel bullshit, and the Nonary Games <laughs> is just the best bullshit. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Oh man! Yeah, we've done a lot of these games on the podcast before. Yeah. So we have the nonary games, Dragon Quest, well, I mean, Trigger, Shadow Hearts. I mean, that's true. I mean, these these categories will ultimately affect uh, reflect our own tastes and preferences since we made them, and our you know we've talked about RPGs a lot on this podcast, so it makes sense that a lot of the stuff on the podcast is reflected in these categories, even though these categories are not specifically attached to the podcast. Otherwise we would have done at least three Devil May Cry five episodes by now. <laughs> I'm surprised we haven't come back to the year end episode where it's just half an hour of me and Mike talking about Devil May Cry five. Um, Steph, can you read the next category for us? Maybe. Um, all right. So the next category is best siblings. <laughs> so we have Ryu and Nanami from Suicune 2. We have the protagonist and Nanako from Persona 4. I like that one. Edgar and Sabin from Final Fantasy 6. Veronica and Serena from Dragon Quest 11. Your kids from Dragon Quest 5. Tante and Virgil from Devil May Cry 5. <laughs> so that one in. <laughs> and Lucas and Quells from Mother 3. <laughs> I feel like if we had a better shot at Mother 3, that would have won for us. And yeah, definitely, it, if you do see the spoilers on that, like it is heart-wrenching. It's, it, yeah. it's pretty incredible what happens between Lucas and Claus and Mother 3, but it did Genuinely win. phenomenal, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but I feel that, like I don't know, since we don't really have a fair shot at the game, I almost feel it wouldn't be fair to talk about it in a way or reward it. So ultimately, we settled on Ryu and Anami, just especially with their story dynamic throughout the game. Yeah, yeah. Their their sibling dynamic is great, and what happens to Nanami, or what happens to both of them, in sort of the the lead up to the final confrontation, and the and especially the uh, I mean, avoiding spoilers a little bit, like the circumstances around Nanami's yeah, yeah around the true ending and Nanami's mm-hmm. fate is incredible. It's it's yeah. it's huge, huge, big drama, and makes you love both Rio and Nanami and Joey. There's also a big a d- spot of sunshine in the cast. Yeah, she oh, really yeah. is. They're not even blood mm-hmm. siblings either. So you stick Joey in there yeah. as well, and it's like you know you've got the three sibling relationship that is torn apart literally by war. Yeah. It is a horrible scenario to be in. And Nanami is the positive one, trying to be like he'll come back, he'll come back, and something will definitely happen. And then you know yeah. it just and she's go. the one who's always encouraging Joey, um, you know, to ask him questions. I mean, she's just like pure goodness while also being really tough and actually not too bad in battle. When I first played it, I was—I definitely resented having to use her all the time. But when she gets used she's to not, taking she's advantage, not bad. No. she's really good. I once mean, you get used to taking advantage of her speed, then yeah, um, she, she's, she's not. Um, she's not top tier, but she's good. And and you can yeah. and letting her act first allows you to do all kinds of weird tricks with her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, the next category, uh, Zach, please read it for us. So this is the best Koichi Sugiyama replacement candidate for Dragon Quest because he's terrible. Yeah, he is a uh, also a terrible person apparently. Yeah, a terrible, so. a ter- yeah. A, not the best composer and a terrible person. So we're all desperate to replace him. We've mentioned it on multiple podcasts now, and now is the time where we have our candidates to replace him. 
So there's a pretty good possibility I'm going to butcher some of these names. So please uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, so first we have Yasunori Nishiki from Octopath Traveler. Um, Masayoshi Soken from Final Fantasy XIV. Uh, Matoi Sakuraba from Tales and Star Ocean. Lotus Juice, Persona rapper. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yes. Yasunori Mitsuda from Everything We Love. And our final candidate is literally anyone else. And big surprise, the winner is literally anyone else. In sync, <laughs> Backstreet Boys, anything's good. Um, I, mean, I would kill for a Dragon Quest game where Lotus Juice did the score. Can you imagine? <laughs> I absolutely would slap so hard, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. I, I did think, like, beside the literally anyone else, though, we were really keen on. Um, uh, yes, and Nori Nishiki from Octopath. Like, he would be a very style. I think yeah. he would fit the best because of the folksy yeah. style of Octopath yeah. Traveler. The different instrumentations would fit with the different accents and the different locations. And the big sound, I, too. Yeah. I'm just yeah, saying it, too. Like, Dragon Quest XI soundtrack is awful. It looks awful against that game. It does not yeah. fit we, it. And I'm really excited real for the symphonic again. version in the Switch. In the I mean, Switch it's just like it's, gutsying up garbage. Like, it's just like yeah. putting yeah. a shine on literal crap. The, the one I would be most excited for was probably Soken because he's so good at adapting old Final yeah. Fantasy themes that yeah. him like giving him the Dragon Quest catalog to actually you know, you know like Do something working, with it. Yeah, yeah, him working on Dragon Quest music could be turning chicken shit into chicken salad, and that'd be amazing. <laughs> but anyway, um, Koichi Sugiyama is terrible, and we would love him to be replaced by literally anyone else. Peter, can you go ahead and uh, read this next category for us? Yeah, so our next category is the most absurdly talented child. Um, <laughs> I'm going to butcher a lot of these names, so I apologize in advance. Um, from the top, we have Rita Mordio from Tales of Vesperia, Kalilika from Yi's Memories of Salsetta, Yu Narukami slash the protagonist from Persona 4, um, Alphanod and Alice from Final Fantasy XIV. Ren from Trail Legend of Heroes Trails in the Sky, uh, Genis from Tales of Symphonia, He's and literally called Genius in Japan <laughs> as well. <laughs> and Leon DS Guest, <laughs> I have no idea. There's no voice acting that I remember, at least on his name. So, anyway, Leon from Star Ocean 2 won. Catboy. Yeah, I, I, like to, I like to pronounce his name uh, the way Terry pronounces the name of the man who killed his father. Like, Geese! <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so one of the ruling factors on why Leon wins is because, uh, first off, he's 12, which is actually pretty low even amongst some of our other con contenders. Uh, but also because it's his parents who actually seem to work for him while Leon is in charge. That's it's an amazing flex. Amazing flex. Yeah, <laughs> it's ridiculous. He's so... When so bratty though uh, yeah he cries like not more than half hour later after you see him being all cocky it's wonderful i mean you could probably have every single him. character on this list other than persona 4 protagonist be characterized as a brat as well at least to a degree i like right? alphano and alice though alphano is a total brat for part of the game and then, <laughs> if, if anything alice slaps him into shape a little bit yeah she does <laughs> All right, so that was Most Absurdly Talented Child, won by the guy from Star Ocean 2 whose parents work for him, <laughs> which, which I'm still very tickled by. Um, uh, uh, Alana, can you read the next category for us? 
Sure. Um, so this is best unconventional weapon user, which is fun. Um, so first up is Norma from Tales of Legendia. She uses bubbles, everybody. What does she do? Is she, I've never played Legendia. Does I she swear to God, she just blows bubbles at them. Yep, I, like, she right. kind of uses she, like a casting. Mm-hmm. Okay, right, yeah. Um, That's what I assume. One of the other girls in that game, uh, Groon, she uses an urn. Uh, I love she, Groon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Shirley uses a feather pen. Like the yeah, tail series is really good for this. Yes, it yeah. really is. It's not, it's not the only time that uh, that it shows up in this list, even. No, yeah. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, we might as well say that one. Uh, so Genus uses a kendama from Tales of Symphonia. So a little toy, basically. He's definitely a caster. Yeah, he basically uses a toy, a very like a smart kid toy. He <laughs> <laughs> definitely. It's a, it's a Japanese uh, toy that's kind of like a yo-yo. <laughs> uh, so. Any of the female characters in Final Fantasy Tactics, they all use bags, which, uh, you know, is handy. You know, Carol uses a bag as well in Tales of Asperia. Mm, Um, (laughs) Again, another series you can take lots of people from is Shadow Hearts. Uh, We have Ricardo from Shadow Hearts from the New World, who has a guitar with a shotgun in it and a flamethrower (laughs) and other guns. (laughs) Ricardo is great. If you need weird stuff, go play. If you like that dose of weird, go play Shadow Hearts. You get. Yeah. I think some of the Shadow Hearts uh, writers watched the El Mariachi trilogy starring Antonio Banderas, and then said, "You know what? This is not we'll anime. my guitar. This is not anime enough." <laughs> Ricardo is really good as well. Um, we then have Fina from Skies of Arcadia, who uses a little little alien pet called Cupel. And then we have Liud from Baton Kaitos, who uses brass instruments as a gun. And so the winner has to be, because I'm reading this category out, obviously, it has to be Fina. I say so. Cupel is adorable. And anyone who's played Skies of Arcadia will agree with me that Cupel is the best thing ever. Cupel's great. And, okay, I, I, it's been a long time since I've played Skies, Alana, but am I not mistaken? You feed Cupel items and weapons... And then and then he and then he and then Cupel grows and evolves and can transform into more things. Yeah. So to um, Cupel has a branching evolution path basically. Um, so you pick yeah. up three types of items called chams, abric mm, chams, right, and right. chams. So chams uh, are like one level basically. So he transforms after taking so many different chams. Abric chams will either shift him on one tree or put him up to an entire new rank. And then Choms will force him to throw everything up and you can readjust the way he levels up. So he transforms into multiple different things. Cutlasses, spears, cones, literal weights, and all sorts of things. And a giant version of himself is one of the like ultimate forms. But yeah, Cupel is multifaceted and very adorable and gets he gets an eye patch at the end of the game and I love it so much. I, I love the costume change for Fina and Cupel at the end. It's super, super cute. Yeah, Cupel is and, special. And, and Cupel's excellent in general. I love the VMU for the Dreamcast, where you're walking around, and if you come near a cham, it comes up on your VMU screen, and he points at the ground with his tongue, and it beeps, and it's really cute. It's just a beeping noise in the GameCube version. But yeah, Cupel is great, and is literally the only one on this list that transforms into about 20 different weapons. Mm-hmm. So, uh, l- let's move on to our next category, Biggest Drama Queen. Uh, Steph, can you read these out for us? You got it. We have Sheria from Tales of Graces. God, I hated her. Shirley Fenez uh, from Tales of Legendia. Not Olivier. a fan of her either. No. Oh, God, no, she's the worst. Sheria at least is a killer on the battlefield. She's like a combat medic. Um, yeah. Anyways, Edge from Star Ocean 4. Uh, 
<laughs> Kuja from Final Fantasy IX and or Dissidia. Genesis from Crisis Core or the Gact character is otherwise known. And uh, oh, V from Devil May Cry 5. <laughs> <laughs> the poetry boys. These things keep ending up here. <laughs> Surprise. Uh, so of all of them, we decided Kuja was the biggest drama queen. Uh, on top really of being good. like yeah, Kuja's a really good choice for that. On top of being very concerned with uh, his outward appearance, uh, he is so mad at the world he decides to take it with him. Every movement and look he does is very dramatic. Like, like if, um, like, like if you know, young David Bowie was suddenly very, very eccentric. But, uh, but then at the end, when he takes it to this place of extreme nihilism, and mm. uh, and you sort of get to the, to like you know what makes Kuja tick, it's. An ex- a great Final Fantasy villain, definitely a drama queen. He'd be a good good for a villains episode. Yeah, yeah, I think so a, too. Not a bad yeah. idea. Yeah, be a good mm-hmm. candidate. Yeah, Kuja's great. He's got a real good. I love how theatrical he is. I love how everything is like the stage is set kind of thing. And I think as well, he's like he goes insane like Kefka, but he's kind of got the context for it as yeah. well. Right. Like he, you get the yeah. whole story with him. You get. Yeah, well, I won't yeah, throw it all out there now. There's a lot to dive in with him. Yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. definitely a case study. Yeah, he, there, there's more. There's yeah, there, he feels more human than Kefka. Kef, Kefka's uh, motivation is just being crazy, and Kuja's motivation comes from a real place. Well, he has actual ties to one of the main characters. Yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Kuja's extremely funny in Dissidia as well, which is why we mentioned that he's got <laughs> he's extremely exuberant. As two. He floats around as well, which is fun, which he doesn't really do too much of in the game. It's an unusual choice. Yeah, all of his powers in Dissidia involve spheres and balls, which is kind of true to his Final Fantasy IX attacks, but still you don't think of him just being so full of balls until you until you play Dissidia. <laughs> I, now, I now have the Tales of Graces um, mystic art stuck in my head that sounds like instant balls. Instant balls! I love it's, that. I don't even know what he's supposed to say. Like, it's, I guess it's supposed to be the, mi- the mystic art's called Mystic Waltz. But it does not sound like that at all. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Zach, can you please read us the next category, Best Super Form? So for Best Super Form, we have Ashley Winchester from Wild Arms 2 as a Night Blazer. Um, I haven't played Wild Arms 2. What is that Great like? Name. So I forgot what sets it off. He has a bad night at his recruitment thing, and all of a sudden he's in bestowed like okay. superpowers from... I don't know. It does a lot of cool stuff. You, you can change it to, to where during the game to, you know, unleash super damage. It's just a lot oh, of fun. Cool. And it takes a Western to even more anime territory, which yeah. is always bag of laughs. Oh, wow. See, it's hard to tell what's going on in that game because it's so terribly translated. Like, that the storyline in that game design. is just so hard to track. So <laughs> you're asking me, what's the story about that? I honestly have no idea. It just Fair looks enough. awesome. All right. It plays cool. All right, so our next nominee is Dragon Quest VIII for super high tension mode. Can I say that Mori's tension animation is amazing? Mm-hmm. Um, you absolutely, you absolutely yeah. may. <laughs> uh, the next one is Terra's Esper transformation from Final Fantasy You were really gunning for that one. I was. Not yeah, the winner, unfortunately. She does unfortunately. look cool, though. I love that <laughs> wild pink hair. I would totally. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Next up, we have uh, Red Alkaiser, if I remember correctly. Yeah, uh, from Saga Frontier. Next up, we have the Devil Trigger from Devil May Cry 5. <laughs> bang, bang, bang. Oh, my Devil Trigger. Uh, <laughs> next, we have Shock's Future Vision thing um, from Xenoblade. Next, I we have the, the future. And then next, we have the Dragoons from Legend of Dragoon. Uh, next, we have whatever Noctis' Super Saiyan thing is from 
<laughs> from Final Fantasy 15. It's his armager. Um, oh, yeah. Dragoning uh, in all the Breath of Fire series. That was me. I should have looked up what to call it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, and then uh, Sora's final form from Kingdom Hearts XXYY23425, the hard start. <laughs> uh, yeah. Reloaded. <laughs> and we were brainstorming for a while and we kind of started giving up our writing <laughs> power here. <laughs> uh, I do want to give a special shout out to Legend Dragoon. Yeah, those Dragoon transformations cool. are really yeah. cool. Yeah, I really like the designs and the extended armor pieces and the wings. Sailor Moon Girl, growing up, I like that kind of stuff. And the animation. For the record, for the record, the winner, the winner is Sora's oh. final form from Kingdom yeah. Hearts Two, Kingdom Hearts Three, for real. Sora <laughs> has so many transformations in the Kingdom Hearts games, but his final form is just so awesome because, like in Two, he's like floating. He's perpetually floating. It's how you unlock the glide glide ability in that game. And he has two keyblades that are also floating. So like mm -hmm. you just kind of like have this crazy amount of reach. Mm -hmm. um, and then in three, it's like a nuclear bomb. Like he's still mm -hmm. floating. The keyblade turns into a sword. Um, if you're and if you're playing his Monster Zinc Sora, his fur turns white and it's cute. Um, oh, that's really uh -huh. cool. I didn't know that part. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the final form in terms of power is so important. Like, there's no way I could have gotten through those data fights in Kingdom Hearts 2 without it. Um, mm -hmm. it's, yeah. it's, it's vital. Yeah, it's true. It, it's a great crowd control thing. And for an action RPG, mm -hmm. I think it kind of really mm -hmm. shines. Yeah. Like, believe me, we love a lot of these ones on the list. But yeah, I think, and like, there's so much variety to it, too. Uh, like, I was mentioning how, like, uh, Terra, Ventus, and Aqua, they each have their own kind of unique abilities that kind of, you know, hone on their character and their arcs and all that stuff. But mm -hmm. uh, Sora's really captures a lot. Like, I like yeah. even one of them kind of references the time he turned into a uh, Heartless. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he has, like, a really creepy fun. arsenal of, like, yeah. weird scratchy attacks. It's so cool that Slosi even let it be the winner of the category, so. Yeah, yeah. But, I, but then I... <laughs> We're running out of time. Yeah, but I... But <laughs> Otherwise I, he would have fought. I, yeah, but my... Uh, I enacted my revenge by renaming it uh, Kingdom Hearts XXYY Numbers the Hearts Dark, which is basically how I feel about all of Kingdom Hearts' sequels. I, I, I sh I'll get around to playing some of them eventually, maybe. We'll see. Two is a lot of fun. Two's real good. Really yeah, is. two is the lo is the logical follow up to one, I think, if my math is right. So th 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 that one, that <laughs> it's one... actually not, unfortunately. <laughs> what? It's actually not. <laughs> of course it isn't. Of course. You have to play Chain isn't. of Memories first, oh. Mike. I will, Mike. I will you buy can. you a copy of the Chain of Memories mm. manga so you don't have to play sure. it. You really don't. Okay. Yeah, you don't have to play. Watch it. a video. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's already more than enough Kingdom Hearts talk. So uh, let's move on to the next <laughs> next category: best mecha. Uh, Steph, let's have you read it for us. All right, so best giant machine beat em up thingy is uh, we have the gears from Xenogears, uh, the skells from Xenoblade X, uh, brute justice from Final Fantasy XIV, <laughs> good choice, uh, Gilgamesh, <laughs> Gilgamesh from Devil May Cry Five. Uh, somehow stuck oh, God's sake, it's not a Meg. <laughs> that, that's a reach. <laughs> okay, um, I agree, it's a reach, and I may have added, added it in. 10 minutes ago, but <laughs> I stand by it. Uh, the 13 Sentinels from Aegis Rim. Nah. No, the, Steve the, the Ride the, the Pod game, from no, Dark Chronicles the, and Dark Cloud. The, the game is called 13 Sentinels Aegis Rim. Yeah. Yeah, 13 Sentinels Aegis Rim. Yeah, sorry. Uh, Steve the Ride Pod from Dark Cloud 2 and the Divine Knights from Trails of Cold Steel. So Each theme gameplay from 13 Sentinels, I'm still not convinced it's a real video game. <laughs> Yo, I actually love the actual robot fights they show in little little friggin' diagrams, though. 
Yeah, I wish it was so not, pretty. Yeah. I'm just sad the game isn't like that. Mm, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a drag. Anyways, okay, so the winner of the best mecha category had to go to skills. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so just cool. in terms of the level of customization, in terms of getting around and how like it really opens up the the open open world experience. Like, oh my god, yeah. And how quick and easy it is. It's just so fluid and beautiful. It I is love the running best. around the hangar. Like in yeah. The, in the yeah. Oh, I loved hanging around that whole place. Yeah, that place it is great. Is... It is the best realization of mechs in an RPG, easily, I would say. They've had all that teasing with Xenogears where you just go around dungeons in them and then finally mm -hmm. with Xenoblade Cross. You I get feel like them. you're getting a lot of like, you know, like Zelda series, like, you know, cycle of like what game everybody loves. And a lot of people are really loving Xenoblade Xing just for that open world freedom. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Switch port when? Like yeah. Yeah, yeah. I I never owned a Wii U, and that is the yeah. one reason I haven't played that game. Could... Just, again, I haven't played this, so I, I uh, please correct me if my mis if I'm uh, have a misconception here. But the maps seem enormous. Oh they and, are. Um, five five and, gargantuan continents. Yeah, yeah, and and basically yeah. you can go from uh, you know, I mean human. Uh, you can go on foot to switching into a mech, to flying around the world in the mech very, very fluidly, and it gives you just an amazing sense of scale for how oh, yeah. how much larger the mechs are than you and then how m large the world is even though you're flying around it in a huge mech. It's a really, really cool exercise in scale. And just and the, I would watch, like, when, I was, when the game was new, I was watching videos of it to check it out, and just, just navigating around the world map, map in these mechs was looked awesome. Yeah, I'm still a little, like surprised they were able to get that much power out of the wii u like oh my god that's because yeah, it had a patch that was like 10 gig you had that, that, that font that was so data. small you can't read it so it worked out yeah <laughs> that's how they did it and no story yo the side quests were the story that game had great yeah. world building there yeah it did definitely i'm being harsh it, it felt a little bit more like an mmo than xeno than xenoblade one did and yeah and xenoblade, and xenoblade one already had a lot of that side quest yeah. uh people around town kind of flavor it leaned well, into a very particular part of xenoblade one um so it was cool yeah well yeah that's a good way to put it <laughs> all right but uh moving on because we are time limited here unfortunately uh the next I'm category is the next category is best character extracurricular. Uh, Peter, <laughs> can you read these for us? Absolutely. So the best character uh, extracurricular side hustle thing. Um, <laughs> Titus, the star player of the Xanarkand Abes in Final Fantasy X. <laughs> you, said side, you, said, you, said, you said side hustle, and that makes me think of Noctis moonlighting as an Uber driver or something. <laughs> you know what, though? That would actually be totally in character. <laughs> I would play that game. I would play <laughs> that game. Next, the off game. Oh, okay, so just in the world of Final Fantasy XV, except it's, you're playing Crazy Taxi. Yeah, yeah I would love that. Oh, I would play the hell out of that game. <laughs> All right, but okay, yeah. that was enough of a diversion. Sorry, sorry to interrupt you, Peter. Uh, go ahead. Well, you're good. Uh, Chopin, um, as a composer from Eternal Sonata. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think I think his side hustle is being the main character in a Japanese RPG. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Having a having an anime fever dream on his deathbed is his side hustle. <laughs> I would love an anime fever dream before I die. That sounds, that sounds, right that sounds great. Not that one. Uh, moving on, we have we have Val as the pretty as the pretty prison warden in Disgaea Four. Um. Shistato from Star Ocean 2 as a reporter. A Joaquim as a professional wrestler slash masked vigilante in Shadow Hearts Covenant. This will not shock you, but he is my favorite character in that game. <laughs> um, Luca as an inventor um, in Chrono Trigger. Shulk as a mechanic in Xenoblade. 
Jean from Lunar 2 as an assassin dancer. Seems so and, good. And Alicia as a baker in Valkyria Chronicles. And the winner is Joachim from Shadowheart's Covenant. Because, Correct. Obviously. <laughs> I mean, definitely. The Grand Papillon people. <laughs> yeah, a huge muscular vampire in a butterfly mask who wields um, found objects like like mailboxes and coffins. <laughs> giant salmon. And a, and a giant ship. Yeah. <laughs> and a yeah, skyscraper. Yeah, his, his best weapon is literally the Nautilus submarine from 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. <laughs> he just, <laughs> he, he's, he's just carrying a, a, like a seven-foot-tall submarine over his shoulder, like, like, he's, like he's hauling bananas or something, and just smacking... I, I love Joaquin. I've played Shadow Hearts. I love the Covenant. item description for the skyscraper too. It's like you can hear little voices inside of it when he swings <laughs> it. It's so good. Every it's I've really played Shadow Hearts Covenant three times, but every time someone describes it to me, I'm like, "Did I really play this video game?" <laughs> <laughs> That's a game that feels like a fever dream for sure. <laughs> that is my anime fever dream: Joachim fighting <laughs> whatever the grandmaster of that wrestling ring is. Oh, uh, was it Darun or something? Oh yeah. That's it. Yeah. Daruna, yeah. All of the wrestlers have got names after curry and Indian dishes. It's yes. pretty pretty fantastic. But you know, Joaquin is a vampire who can turn into a bat, so let's move on to some other characters who aren't totally human. Alana, let's have you read the uh, category nominees for best not totally human character. <laughs> sure thing. So we have a classic frog from Chrono Trigger, Koromaru from Persona 3, who is absolutely not a human character. Also not human character is Rolo from Tales of Exilia 2, the biggest, chubbiest, best boy ever. Uh, we have Garrus from the Mass Effect series, 1, 2, and 3. Skius from Breath of Fire 4. And Are any, of the, are any characters oh. in Breath of Fire 4 totally human? Or any Breath of Fire Basically game at all? Not. No, exactly. <laughs> no. I think Breath of Fire 4 and Final Fantasy IX's world are incredible for their diversity of like people and races. Yeah. That's a ridiculous amount of that. Um, but the winner is an unusual one. Uh, it's Gilo from Bantkite's Origins, who is a war machine mech, uh, genderqueer, both male and female, responds to both, is usually they or them. But, and literally um, because it has two voice actor actors it's doing so the job. Well done as it's well. So cool. It's also so, I mean, Gilo yeah. appears to be now I did not know but Button Kaitos or Origins at all, but just from your description and from looking at images of Gilo they appear to be a pink cyborg ninja. Pretty much, and yeah. I, much and more. okay, yeah. all right, I'm in favor of all of it. Go for it. Yep. Rock on, Gilo. So, <laughs> area, so they... area of attack and big floppy arms to do really cool things with those attacks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they have a very special purpose. They basically adore the main protagonist, Soggy, and they want to eat the main female protagonist, Milliard. Um, they're a really good trio, actually. They're the only three characters you get in the game, and they all meld together so perfectly. Oh, it's a cast of only three, huh? Yeah, yeah. it is. It's a really, really solid cast, too. Just Gilo like, is just, just like Zach's favorite game, Dragon Quest Two. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. But yeah, Button Cartus Origins is really hard to get hold of, but it comes highly recommended for Gilo, I would say. Alright, uh so this is a little bit related to our uh side quests and side hustle categories, but our second to last category of the evening is what you sunk the most time doing when not saving the world. So uh um Zach, can you read this one for us? 
Of course. Uh, so first we have uh, my answer personally, Blitzball from Final Fantasy X because Blitzball mm. is good stuff. Um, <laughs> then we have fishing from like all the games. Uh, yes. You have Fire lifted here, mm-hmm. uh, but you know you have the Trails of games. You've got Zelda. What else do we have fish- fishing in? Trails. I love fishing. Yeah. Okay. I, so I was that... Trails fishing not hours ago. Yeah. It's actually not that bad in Trails. It, it, it really is. It's, it's pretty good in Trails. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Chocobo Hot and Cold from Final Fantasy IX. Um, Triple Triad, which is the real draw of Final Fantasy VIII, and it's also back in Final Fantasy XIV. Gambling How is it in fourteen is it good? Oh, it's it's very good. I could I, <laughs> I depending on rule sets, I have five different decks made for it. <laughs> that oh, wow. sounds like. Someone who's obsessed with Magic the Gathering. Good for you. Um, <laughs> my, my, my Magic the Gathering days are, are far behind me. But, uh, but yeah, it, it, maybe, maybe that part of my brain lit up a little bit when I was yeah, making sure. decks for this. Yes. <laughs> um, next, we have Gambling from all the games again. Uh, Dragon Quest in particular. Um, Tales of games have a lot of gambling too, right? They do. Yeah. yeah. It's a good oh, gambling. Yeah. I, I, I'm so happy when I find it. I'm just like, all right. <laughs> You know, I crack my knuckles, settle in, and change my diaper. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that image, Steph. Thank you. In, in, in the Dragon Quest games, whenever I find a new casino, I look and see what the prize is, what the prizes are. And if one of them is at a certain level of goodness, I'm like, all right, okay, time to just strap in. It's okay. time to get that Gringham whip. Yep. Yep. Um, uh, we have Pokemon breeding. And then finally, we have paying off your debts from Zillia 2 because it's literally the entire game. Um, and the winner is gambling from dragon quest at all yep. yeah I had, we I had a have problem. a gambling addiction here it's it's, yeah. it's fun being a degenerate gambler with no stakes yeah <laughs> you say no stakes i need that whip okay true and then and, and i mean technically you are definitely inve- investing time when you're gambling in a dragon quest game but uh yeah if, if i want that liquid metal armor or that gringham whip i'm i'm gonna get it and uh it's it's nice to actually not have to throw away my salary other than the price of uh, of Dragon Quest Eleven. <laughs> you I'm, say there's win. no stakes, and I'm sad. Yeah, there will there be stakes, stakes eventually soon. There are stakes. <laughs> there are stakes out there. Sometimes Just waiting to be eaten. Some of them I'm are still in now. Cows. Some of them are still in cows, and it's dinner time um. for me too. Yes. <laughs> so do we have a, a like a favorite moment of video game gambling? Because it's it's very very ubiquitous, not just in RPGs. Oh, I got the royal flush, and I was just beaming. I took a yep. picture of it and showed people. I was like, "Look, I got the royal flush." So yeah. did I. When I, when I, I, that first, like, too. I got my first like. Uh, I got the trophy for gambling and for doing the slot machines in um, Dragon Quest Eleven, oh, and yeah. the. Uh, yeah, Wait, who's one... the one who had Pokemon trivia about that? What was it? The gambling yeah. Pokemon. Yes, oh, they, they can't. We're talking about Dragon Quest, but. They can't put the game corner in any new Pokemon games anymore because gambling is illegal in children in, in children's entertainment in Europe, I think. Oh. Correct, yeah. So, There's so, age limits on it. Yeah, so they, they can't get the everyone rating if they uh, include gambling. So it's, I think it's – was it only in uh, Red Blue or did they – I think a... it was in Red Blue. It's in Gold and Silver, I think, okay, as well. Okay, sure. But it was removed everything else. And then they removed it. I think starting with Heart Gold and Soul Silver was when they like permanently were like, "Yeah, we can't put yeah. it back." Yeah, sure. So but- now all the slot machines in um in uh the remakes, like like in Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee, it's uh they're not interactive. <laughs> oh wow, cool. Wow. Mm-hmm. So well, okay. Even though gambling is not for children, it is definitely for RPG fans because there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of fun gambling in various Oops. RPGs. 
none in Devil May Cry 5, though. That's the, that's one weakness of that uh, otherwise flawless. <laughs> I feel, I feel like Dante would game. like gambling. You know, I think, well. I think, oh, for sure. I feel yeah. like he would. Oh, yeah. Dante, Dante totally has a gambling problem. That's why the lights immediately switch off at the end. Because that's why he's got no money. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's why he definitely doesn't own any shirts in Devil May Cry 3. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, now we have one final category, and uh, this category is maybe the most important of all, because this is the category that will determine a future retro encounter game journal game. Uh, the next retro encounter game is uh, will be determined by a public vote. I am going to release a uh, excuse me, release a poll shortly after this episode comes out, and listeners can vote on a future retro encounter game. I don't know exactly when it would air, probably late 2019 or early 2020. So let's uh, come up with the five nominees for the next retro encounter game. First, Disgaea One. Hour of Darkness. Peter. Uh, my vote is near Automata. Mm. And Zach. Uh, well, we did Suikoden 2 about a year ago. It's time for Suikoden 5. Ooh, Alana. one. We yep. already talked about the final boss for this game, so let's go, because we've never done this. Persona 2 Innocent Sin. And Steph. I'd love to play that. Star Ocean 2. <laughs> I did write it like that, too. I'm just excited about that game. <laughs> So that is uh, what's going to be up in uh, very soon on a poll for public vote. Disgaea 1, Nier Automata, Suikoden 5, Persona 2, and Star Ocean 2. One of those five will be a future retro encounter game, and it will be chosen by the fans. So uh, now it's time for the end of the episode. Uh, I, I don't want this to go on too long, but thank you so much for recording up to 200 episodes with me. That's, yeah. a, that's a milestone. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. an amazing accomplishment, wow. Mike. Yeah. Well done. Well done. Yeah. Like this. We're able to talk a little bit about everything for episode 200, too. Yeah, we, we covered a lot of ground in those uh, in those awards, and they were, and they were it was fun discussing what uh, before the podcast what to win, and, and then during the podcast, just whatever thoughts came to mind when we when these the names of these games came out. Even it gave me a, more and more opportunities to hate on Persona 1 and Legend of Dragoon. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> But let's look to the future of Retro Encounter a little bit. We do have that poll coming up. I'm going to post it as soon as this episode goes up. It'll be shared by the RPG fan Facebook and Twitter. A little bit close, uh, a little bit into the far future, we have a second episode on The Legend of Heroes Trails of Cold Steel that's going to be up next week. And later this month, we are going to have uh, one episode that is about sports, but not sports in an RPG or in real life, the sp- something existing outside of RPG sports <laughs> or real-life sports. I don't want to spoil exactly what it is yet, but it's going to be weird, and I'm looking forward to recording that. Uh, and also, we're doing another Villains episode, and the subject of Woo-hoo! that Villains episode is none other than Luca Blight, Luca Blight. and the and, <laughs> and possibly some other baddies in Suikoden 2. So there's going to be a Luca Blight Suikoden 2-flavored RPG Villains episode coming in a few weeks. But uh, that's about all we have for today. Um, I, I, I could, you know, we thought about making this episode another mailbag or another like reminiscing about your favorite retro encounters of the year or of the or of the five years. But uh, I think we had more fun just, you know, coming up with a list of BS categories in a, in a fake awards show and then uh, back and then bantering about them. Obviously, the surprise hit here was Devil May Cry 5. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I, so, I mean I was I was stealth adding more. I, I was I was stealth adding more and more Devil May Cry Five to the to the list <laughs> during the episode. There was maybe more Devil May Cry Five than originally planned. 
I played that game months ago, and I still think about it. It's it, me it, too. It was so good. <laughs> but speaking of things that are so good, uh, my four beloved panelists, what is the best way for listeners to reach you? Starting with you, Stephanie. I, I, you can always talk to me via social media. I'm usually there bugging you guys and throwing news in your face. But you can reach me on Twitter at dice sms. That'd be cool. Love talking to RPG fans, fellow fanners. All right, and and Zach, how can listeners reach you? Uh, you can email me at zachw at rpgfan.com, or you can reach me on Discord at zachw. Alana, your turn. Uh, so you can find me on Twitter at Alana Hagues, or anything for RPG fan stuff is Diving Falcons. And Peter. Uh, you can find me, um, Peter T, at rpgfan.com if you want to send me an email, or on the blasted hellscape that is Twitter at I Have Fury. <laughs> And as for me, Mike Solosi, you can find me on that blasted Twitter hells- hellscape at Evoker for Dogs or at The Real Monsoon. On uh, RPG Fans Discord, I am Monsoon Mike, and on RPG Fans Forums, I am Monsoon. So that's all. We've done 200 episodes. Not always, you know, similar format. The, the first 10 episodes do not resemble the most recent te- 10 episodes at all. <laughs> but I definitely can say we've done 200 of them, and that's something. It's been a journey. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. great, yeah. It's been a wild ride. Pat exactly. on the back, everybody. Glad to be on board now, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and uh, Zach, you, um, uh, now forgive me for putting you on the, st- on the spot, you were a uh, Retro Encounter listener before you joined the site, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I've been listening to it almost since the beginning. Oh, yikes. Um, You're that, I, people. I, you should join us. I, and I, I, chat I, 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 I am was... sorry that you had to suffer through all those early episodes. <laughs> I, I, I'm a huge fan. I'm glad to be here. And, um... To pull back the curtain a little bit, listeners, basically, whenever I, when we're coming up with episodes, I ask all of the RPG fan staff, see who's free certain weeks or certain months, and we sometimes pull them together months in advance. Sometimes, it, it literally the day of recording, we throw something together. But it, anyone on staff that has an idea for a podcast can throw it at me, and then I'll put it on our big list, and then maybe it can get made into an episode. And Zach discovered that firsthand. Basically, just throughout 2019, and uh, and yeah. he, and um, you've been on a bunch of episodes in the summer, probably be, in part because you're a teacher and you have summers off. <laughs> yes, indeed, oh, that so is nice. true. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, retro encounter episodes can come from anyone from any source, except it'll always be from RPG fan, and it'll usually have me getting my grimy hands on it, uh, twisting the idea around before it gets recorded. Mm-hmm. But uh, to, all, to all four of you, thank you for being on so many episodes with me. And listeners, thank you for listening to so many episodes, or at least some of them, the episodes. Thank you, good night, and good luck. <laughs>